Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which you should know because you've been here for 20 years. So you know about official D&D things. I do. My name is Shelly. <laughs> I have been here for 20 years. That is amazing. I know. Congratulations to you. I have like weird feelings about it. Yeah, you did not seem as happy about it as I, I threw you like, for a loop there. Happy though? I mean, like, I don't know, like, what? Proud? I don't know. I just don't know what I feel. And like, am I supposed to have been somewhere? Like, I was young and I probably could have had like three jobs in this time frame, but I didn't really want other jobs. I've really just always liked being here. Yeah. I don't Do our listeners know you've been here for 20 years? I've been at Wizards for 20 years. You've been a wizard or a sorceress for 20 years. Sorceress since 2007. Because, <laughs> well, you did work on the magic team before that, didn't I you? I did. Yeah. Briefly. Briefly. Yeah. Only, only about on, 17 years. I worked on. So almost everything Wizards has ever published since 1999. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it it doesn't feel like I've done the same thing for 20 years. That's true. You have shifted a lot. I have bounced around to so many different things and worked with so many different people. But for the most part, I really like the people here. Yeah. You know, we have a good group of people. And working on D&D is fun. And it's just like I know that the work that we do actually matters to people it's not like we're just like cranking out like salt i don't know like just something like salt matters to me i mean like salt does matter to me too but but people don't like get i always say this to like my friends who work at like like different uh, jobs hand soaps and things like that like nobody's like working in hand soap because they remember the first time they ever used hand soap <laughs> when they were like five yeah, right. and they were like I remember the bottle and it was white and the hand soap are you like saying there's green. no there's no hand soap podcasts out there I don't that, know that, that there your are colleagues there are. might be I don't know I can't imagine like the hand soap community being as robust as like the D&D community yeah that's a really but good it's point it's like we are doing great things here would you say that out of the 20 years you've been here the most favorite have been the last five years because you've been here? Yeah. Yeah, there's something about the last five years that have just... And Ryan. Ryan also. Mostly Ryan. I'm going to say it's mostly Ryan. I would definitely say Dragon Talk is in my top three favorite things that I've done. <laughs> definitely. It's, it's, it's ranks up there in top three, the, baby. the top three. And I've done a lot. I even got to go to a Super Bowl. You went to a Super Bowl? Yeah, because we used to publish a game called NFL Showdown. Whoa. And we were doing like demos and stuff at the Super Bowl. No way. Yeah, I got to go. Did you meet John Elway? Totally. Sat right next to him. (laughs) Yeah? And Joe Namath was on the other side of me. Really? And you're like, hey, boys. Rubbing elbows. And they're like, here's this card game. And they're like, we don't care. No, they were like, we need to play this card game. Yeah? No. Yeah. None of that's true. It sold really well. None of that. (laughs) Not one bit. Except the part that I did go to the Super Bowl. You did go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Who was in it at the time? Do you remember? It was um, Oakland and... Could it be Tampa Bay? Oakland and Tampa Bay. Is this possible? I don't know. It was you, in you got San the Diego. Two biggest uh, football fans here to talk about this. Uh, yeah. You and me. I, let's say that. Let's call up our I, uh, our guest who's from Australia it. and see He'll if he know. knows. He'll say football. <laughs> I don't know. That's What's rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, rugby. Rugby? Rugby's crazy. Uh, so today we're going to be talking to Benjamin Looms, Yay! who is the composer and uh, leader of Sirenscape, um, former opera singer. He did a fantastic job singing the opening for the concert at 
uh, D&D Live 2019, Amazing. The Descent, and he did fantastic. It was a fun little jokey thing. He actually wrote the lyrics uh, to that song as well. That guy is like uh, just way too, well. has too much creativity. Super talented. Too and much. I love using Sirenscape. It's one of my favorite things to add uh, so atmosphere cool. to your Dungeons & Dragons games. Um, he's created soundscapes that have to do with our adventures very, very closely. So if you're following along and running your adventure at home as a dungeon master, I can speak to this from actual experience. Um, if you're in a specific room or a location that's written in the adventure, there is a soundscape that matches up to that. That's so crazy. And so you can be like, oh, here's in this room. And he has it uh, programmed to even do the different phases of an encounter or things like that. So you're like, oh, this is where the troll fight happens. And press that and then all of a sudden there's troll fight music and you're like oh my god it's so great uh, not just music I but sound effects and things so like that yeah. already and me. then you can customize it all down to that so even if you don't like the ones that he composes and does you can like add in different sounds and add you know do it on the fly um, and create your own custom preset soundscapes which I think is fantastic and I love when he comes to the office and people get to participate and make um, some of doing some of the voices and sound effects yeah you're on there I am on there I'm on there I was a character, uh, a named character, actually. You had a name? I got a name. I'm still just in the chorus. You're just like lady number seven I'm lady who laughs. crying. The lady and laugh- laughs. I did laughing lady and crying lady. Those are your two, uh, like, you know, best emotions. Totally. Yeah. It's one or the other. <laughs> Sometimes both. That's the same time. <laughs> I was crying so fun. Uh, so I can't wait for that. Um, I want to hear all about what he's making the next soundscapes for for all of our products. Uh, you know, it always takes a little bit of time before it comes out, but yeah. uh, I think there is a lot of opportunity. How great would a uh, Dungeons Dragons versus Rick and Morty soundscape be? And, oh my god, that would be really funny. I know, right? Farts would just and, lots of farts, farts and, and, burps. and burps. Lots of burps. And drinking. Oh, I could do the sound effects for burping. I, you know, just bring a recorder home. I could. And just, <laughs> whenever and you gotta let go, then you're like, alright, here you just... go. <laughs> oh, that one's a shart. <laughs> we need that sound effect. It's, it's rare. A, it's a very hard one. It to a, it's a rare reproduce. one to get, unless you're a six-year-old. And then you have to do the oops. Oops. I, I mean, it's part of the sound. Mommy, I sharded. Uh, we're going blue. We're going blue on this one, people. Anyway, uh, so that's really exciting. I love all of the. Uh, things that we've got going on for 2020. I wish we could talk more about it, but we're really excited about our plans. Yes. Yes. So big. So big. Go big. Uh, and I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Ben Looms and Sirenscape is going to be a big part of it. I think so. Uh, but before we get to talking about all that in the episodes of yes. Dragon Talk to come, yes. let's listen to some, uh, some B segments, shall we? Yes. It is going to be something that you will want to hear coming up right now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to How to DM. I'm Shelley Mazenoble, and I'm here with very special guest, Wes Schneider from the D&D team. Wes is an editor and, as it turns out, a wealth of knowledge in the Dungeon <laughs> Mastering Department. Welcome, Wes. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for responding to my email mm-hmm. uh, for, with uh, the, the call to people to talk to me about DMing with such um, enthusiasm. And uh, and words, so many words. <laughs> Seemed like we sparked um, some inspiration. Turns out, uh, I'm paid. To, I'm paid by the words, so that's what you get. Hear that, Pelham? <laughs> we need to pay this guy. Um, no, really. Thank you for uh, for for being here. But also, you you brought up some interesting. Uh, more topics than what I even thought we would be talking about for our our 
part two. And it turns out we are going to talk about session zero because nice. uh, I think you've got a lot of interesting things to say about it. My first question with session zero, is this a new thing? Um, yes and no. Um, I think that a lot of dungeon masters have for a very long time recognized that there's a number of issues that come up persistently in their games or that they're seeing seeing universally across games and really in the last decade or so have started realizing that being a little more proactive with some of their conversations, getting their whole parties, all of their players themselves uh, to quantify what they're looking for in the game and what they're going to be offering in the course of a game Getting everybody on the same page about those expectations early on can head off problems down the road. So, like, what kinds of problems do you? And you're well, actually, let's go back a little. You're you you are a dungeon master. It's true. It's true. Have you always uh, leaned towards the DMing or player or both? One hundred percent. Like, I DM? love DMing. Really? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I'm a total total megalomaniac when it comes to that. What is it about being a dungeon master that? gets you so excited. I mean, you get to control the monsters. Mm, that's what a lot of people say. <laughs> they like to control the monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay. I almost feel like that's a metaphor, but maybe we can like, talk about that on a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the psychoanalysis There may be other people more qualified. Okay. So in your, in your experience, so when you are DMing for a group, uh, you're going to start something new. Do you always do a session zero? You know, it, it depends. Um... In some cases, there's just not the opportunity for that. If you're going to be playing at a convention or if you're in a one-off or something like that, then sure, you're probably not going to have the time to you know, go back and rally everyone and be like, what can we do to sculpt the perfect campaign that is right for our niche little segment playing this? But if you have the opportunity, if you know who you're going to be playing with, if you're unsure of what you're going to do or if what their expectations are, having conversations ahead of time to get everybody on the same page, to making to make sure that you're building an experience that everybody wants to have and is going to be as enjoyable as possible for everyone and is going to pre- prevent problems down the road that can impact your game or even really your social interactions, yeah. it's good to have these conversations early. So what kinds of, of problems couldn't can pop pop up that maybe a session zero could alleviate? Well, you can divide it in a few different ways. The ways I usually look at it um, is setting expectations for the table, setting expectations for the rules, and then setting expectations for the plot. Um, to dive right into that, though, something that I want to say out f- up front is that we talk a lot about session zero being the first opportunity for folks to sit down and talk about a game experience. Um, All of this is assuming that you already have your party, that you already know who you're going to be playing with, so on and so forth. This is a situation, though, where if you... This is potentially the first time that if you're playing with a group of new players, if you've just met people offline or at a game store or whatever have you, this might be the first time that you're coming together as a group and actually talking about the game and what you want to be doing and so on and so forth. Um, If you're just playing online, if you're just um, using the internet or whatever have you, fine, great, just 
logging on and being like, okay, we're going to talk about our game. That's fantastic. However, if this is your first time that you're interacting with a group of people that potentially you don't know, a session zero doesn't need to be done at, like, somebody's house. You don't need to be going to some place for that. Doing this in a game store, at a cafe, in a public setting, so you can get a feel for the people that you're going to be playing with, tends to be a smart decision. Right. Um, So this is just something where up front... Since you're getting to know a group, a session zero is a great opportunity to find out whether you gel with a group of individuals. And if it turns out in the course of having your session zero conversations that other members of the party want something that you don't want or want to run a game that you're not looking for, this is a great opportunity to sort of nope out of that situation. Like, thanks, we've had these conversations. I'm going to back out gracefully at this point. So. So I imagine their session zeros are going to be different for a group of players that you know, you've played with before, yep. that maybe you use that, that time to um, talk about the characters that you want to play mm-hmm. and, and the style of the, the campaign that you're going to run, or even, like you said, like the plot of it, and maybe like how characters know each other and things like If you want to Absolutely. create any hooks. And then, so if we're going to talk about, we'll talk about both, but let's talk about maybe a group of players you're not as familiar with or mm-hmm. it's maybe one person you're familiar with and four of their friends that yep. you want to play with. So this could potentially, it's almost like an interview sort of then in this case. Mm-hmm. So um, do you, like what kinds of red flags would you be, like like warn a, a new dungeon master again about, like if they're still kind of new about DMing mm-hmm. and maybe they are more doubting their own like if if they feel like something feels awkward here maybe they're maybe thinking it's because I'm new and inexperienced but like what what sorts of things should a dungeon master be looking for so this is a situation where you're going to find tons of conversations about it you know in podcasts like this Mm -hmm. or online or whatever have you Uh, One of the first things to know is that there's no right answer to this. There is no, like, set guidelines for what makes a good session zero, what doesn't. It's a lot about trial and error. It's a lot about dungeon masters finding what works for them and uh, what doesn't and doing better next time. Um, This is a situation, though, where as a a DM, you want to make sure that you're putting forward the types of game that you want to run and expressing how you run those games, but are also listening to what players are saying that they want and what sort of game styles that they want to play. Because if it turns out, myself, for example, I run a ton of horror games and whatnot. I really like spooky atmosphere, so on and so forth. Um, If I find myself at a session zero and I'm expressing that, that I'd like to do something that's more in a creepy vibe and this is the way that I plan to run a game and these are uh, how I plan to do it, so on and so forth. And the players are telling me, oh, we're looking for something more jokey or more cartoony or we'd really like to play in this setting or whatever have you. At that point, we need to have the conversation about how we want to align the types of games that we're both looking to have, um, or even just accept, like, mm, you know what, this isn't going to do it for us um, for one reason or another. Because the last thing that you want to be doing, either as a DM or as a player, is playing in a game that you're not going to enjoy. No, that would be awful. Yeah. So is Session Zero where you also create your characters? 
It can be, but there's a lot to cover. Um, typically, session zero conversations, they can happen before character generation, like literally uh, like the hour before, like the conversation okay. that happens right before that. Or it can be a whole separate thing depending on how deep you want to get into your, your session zero content. Uh, in general, your session zero should be providing you with not just an opportunity for sort of getting to know one another and establishing what sorts of games you want to play, but also working out some expectations where if we are going to be running a game or playing in a game together, how will we handle certain conflicts? How we will we handle certain aspects of the rules that may be nebulous or may change from table to table? Oh, interesting. I never thought about that. And then also, if you're going to be making a character, here's some elements that you might want to know ahead of time. Oh, okay. Tell me more about that. So... Best case scenario, if you're going into session zero, you already have an idea of what you want to be running. Uh, this could be something as, I want to run the thing that, my, that most of my players want to play. Uh, if you are a true host in that case, and it's just like, okay, I just want to DM something, th these folks are going to throw ideas at the wall, and out of that, we're going to create a campaign together. Alternatively, you might be like, I want to run Storm King's Thunder. At that case, if that's the situation, the, a session zero is a great opportunity to hold up the book and be like, I am interested in running Storm's King's Thunder. If everybody at the table is then like, yes, okay, we'd be down for running that, there are certain rules choices that come out of that. Um, Storm King's Thunder has a sweeping plot to it, but if players don't know anything about it, they have the potential to make decisions in character creation which will negatively impact their enjoyment. A perfect example is uh, if you're making a ranger. If you decide that you're going to be, have elementals as your favorite enemy. Did we talk about this? Mm. Who would I, I literally just had this conversation. Please go on because nice. I can relate. <laughs> So yeah, if you ended up if you ended up going into Storm Kicks the King's Thunder as a ranger with elemental favorite en enemy, uh, that's probably suboptimal to being a ranger that is all about taking out giants because that's right a foe that comes up again and again in that particular adventure. A lot of DMs get very behind their own DM screen when it comes to, like, hiding the secrets of their plot right. and nobody can know. Yes. That's not how anything works. Like, television shows give you trailers. Movies give you trailers. Books have dust covers that explain what you're going to be getting. Giving your players a heads up on, hey, this is an adventure. It's about giants. It's going to go over here. We're going to fight this. We're going to do that. All of that is ways to get them more excited about a campaign. Does not actually ruin your plot. Spoilers are overrated. And gives them the opportunity to make a character that might be more relevant and thus get them more in invested in the game. That is, I had this, con maybe it was even on Dragon Talk. I honestly can't remember. But I know I talked about, and I was playing a ranger, mm -hmm. and I knew nothing about the adventure that we were going to be playing, which I felt I thought was normal. I thought the DM didn't tell you that stuff, that you just kind of go in blind. And I picked favorite enemies, and, like, the, even, I was an Aarakocra, and so, like, 
like nothing, like the terrain, the enemies, everything I chose never came up. Great. And I've realized now if if the DM had given me some, I even like held up the cover of the book. Like <laughs> there's things that you can surmise from looking at Storm King Slender. Like, oh, there's a giant. Yeah. I think I know where we're going. Um, that you that that would work, but yes, I have always been under the assumption that you kept those details private. That it was like you're not supposed to know where you're going because you're just some adventurers in a tavern, and somebody's going to need your help and send you off into the mountains somewhere. Like a lot of DMs get very precious about that, and it is the sort of thing where, like, I do think many DMs come to games looking to get their their directorial kick, their novel writing kick, where it's just like, I am going to make a masterpiece and everything will be a surprise and a twist and a turn. It's like, well, this isn't just about the DM, you know, getting that, that, ooh, what a twist moment. Right. Uh, Those will still happen. Those will still happen. You have plenty of those. Because you're not telling them everything. Exactly. But yeah, if we were running a pirate adventure, I would want to tell you, hey, gonna be boats, consider knowing how to swim. Like, things like that will increase your enjoyment. So you don't feel like that's cheating at all? Like, as a player, to be like, oh, oh, okay, I'm gonna learn some wizard spells that are gonna, like, help us in the water. That no. I wasn't going to pick before, but now I will. No, not at all. Because it's the sort of thing where it's like the game is, I mean, if we just want to get into like hard numbers about it, it's like the game's balanced to account for that. It is There is at no point in the design process where it's like, oh, and make sure to balance for 75% poor player decisions. Like it, the game can handle you making uh, choices that work good for the situations you're in. I think this is one of the examples why, like, a lot of aquatic races don't get a lot of use and whatnot because folks are like, well, I don't, if we're traveling up, most of the time we probably won't be in the water, so I won't pick a triton as a race. But if I'm telling you ahead of time, hey, you're playing pirates, we're going to be on the water the whole time. If somebody raises their hand and is like, can I play a triton? Yes, that sounds awesome and would work great for this and would be a really interesting experience that most players have probably never had before. Yes, that does sound interesting. Okay, now what would you do if you were playing with some new players and because you're a new dungeon master, you don't really feel confident helping them create characters, so they're going to use pre-gens. Yep. What kinds of things can you do at session zero with pre-gen characters? So there's a few. There's the really intensive option, uh, and then there's the the more improv option. Um, going with the second first, um, a lot of DMs really pride themselves on being good at improving, being able to take whatever players throw at them and making it work. I think many DMs when players make their characters, are like, okay, and now I know that we have two warlocks, a wizard, and a fish person. Now we will be making a campaign that works for two wizards, a warlock, and a fish person. Um, And just rolling with that. Um, Alternatively, uh, actually something in the middle between the the two um, extremes that I was thinking about at the outset of this is providing players with some guidance. We already do that 
many DMs already do that by looking for a balanced party. It's like, hey, it would be good if we had a fighter and a wizard and a rogue. Um, that's sort of expected by the game to a degree, but is also that in itself is a little bit of a spoiler if you really wanted to get into the weeds about it. Um, because you will be facing challenges that require a variety of, of skill sets. Um, so that's that's perfectly normal and acceptable and whatnot. Um, but at the other extreme of this, if you really wanted to use pregens, um, there are a ton of options out there. So you certainly could be like, here's a host of pregens. Here, enjoy, pick the one that you are most interested in. Alternatively, if the DM wanted to just create characters that are already custom made for their campaign, oh. um, then you've got characters that are dialed right in. Oh, that's interesting. Because you could even maybe maybe at this session zero find out from each player what sorts of things interest them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then you could use that when you create a character. Totally. Oh, I'm, okay. Yeah, there's even been, like, you know, very uh, very early on in the original Dragonlance adventures, many of the heroes of the Lance were actually presented as pre-generated characters. And these were the same characters that were in the novels and whatnot. Yeah. But it's like you get to actually play Caramon or Raceland or Tannis through these adventures that are specifically suited to them. And, oh, by the way, there's also novels about these characters. So it turns out, yeah, these sort of work. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. So what what if you end up with, um, like, you've got these new players and they all want to be wizards? It's up to it's up to the DM at that point. It's up well, it's up to the DM, but it's also up to the whole group. That's a conversation to be had, and that's really what session zeros are all about: is defining what folks want to do, and then determining whether everybody's cool with that, or if you want to make adjustments. Uh, if everybody at the table is like, "Yeah, we want to all play wizards," so like. Cool, great. If the DM wants to roll with that and be like, okay, I will adjust my game to make sure that that you have a satisfying series of adventures based on having all adventures or having all wizards, you can absolutely do that. Um, maybe that means adjusting what the threats are. Maybe that plays up the um, amount of, like, you know, uh, research and spell-vulnerable creatures and... Um, various other threats that are things that wizards can handle, having those take priority and playing down, ooh, this is really a challenge where, you know, you're going to need a bard or the door is locked. What are you going to do about that? Well, relying on spells rather than lockpicking and whatnot. Oh, that seems like that's way out of my new dungeon mastering league. I feel like if I ended up with people who all wanted to be wizards, I'd have to say... Peace out. Well, and that's <laughs> also the sort of thing where Sorry. that's a response that's 100% valid and yeah. something that you want to have during a session zero. Because if that doesn't work for you, then you're not going to be enjoying the game and you're not going to be as invested. And you're pro- probably your game will end up collapsing because then it's more of a chore than it is actually a fun time. It's not that I would be opposed to the party of all wizards. Mm-hmm. I personally love wizards. Sure. However, I don't think I would know how to adjust the adventure. Absolutely. For to make it so, like you mentioned, spell vulnerable creatures. Mm-hmm. Like who? Just well, out of curiosity. Well, there's a number of monsters in the game how, that. How would I 
just go through the monster manual? And- Pretty much it ends up being either looking online or uh, going through the monster manual and, and being like, oh, okay, so this monster is vulnerable to this or these mon- like fiends can be banished or so on and so forth. Um, but if this is something that you're uncomfortable with, having at the outset the conversation that it's like, oh, you know what, that might be um, – something that I'm not too into, hey, would anybody be interested in playing another character? Or, like, let's do a more traditional party with a fighter in a row. If folks are like, oh, yeah, I really don't care one way or the other, yeah, let's do that, then fantastic. You've just headed off a ton of problems that would impact your game. If it turns out that everybody at the table is adamantly, no, I only play Wizards 100% of the time... Then that's then that turns it back around for you to be like, is this the group for me? You don't me? sound like that much fun. Exactly. For a game that's mostly improv. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> could you could you let them multi-class? Could you be like, no, you have to be a something else, but maybe you can be some kind of spell casting. Absolutely. That's also the sort of thing where that gets into tinkering with some of the underlying uh, mechanics of the game, but it turns out that that is not as dire an element as many DMs and definitely many conversations online would make you think. If it turns out that it's like, okay, yeah, you're all wizards, but you know what? You get a level of fighter, you get a level of rogue, you get a level of of cleric, and we're just going to play it like that. If you can make it work at your table and everybody's enjoying it, then you're winning. So, okay, you're just inspired something. I just got like a little tickle, like, oh, I might be able to do something like this. What if there are, okay, two things. One, maybe find out what it is about wizards that they all seem to mm-hmm. like. Because the thing that I initially loved about playing a wizard was I really just wanted a familiar. Sure. So if that's all you want, then just you can be anything. I will give you a familiar. Yeah, But absolutely. just be something else. Or maybe they are, um, maybe some somebody who decides to be a rogue, but I can work into the story like there's like this weird hand that just keeps following you around mm-hmm. and it wants to be adopted by you and now you have your own little mage hand and that can I'll just because you're the dungeon master yep can you just be like you now have this spell 100% and even more than that that is going to be the thing that then those players a year five years ten years down the road are going to be like you know I never played a game like that Shelly's game we got to do this this and this I totally remember that. That was like nothing else I ever played. Shelly was the best DM. I feel like I just had a breakthrough. Like that's my initial instinct was, hell no, (laughs) I'm not playing with you wizards. And then I just started to think of like a problem solving. And then it it got fun for me in my own head. Yeah, absolutely. I want the rogue who has a mage hand pet that just follows him around. And that's the sort of thing where as the DM – you you get to make that call. If you think that's too much of a challenge, if that's not going to do it for you, if you're not interested, the game has to be fun for you as well. So if you think it's not going to work with that group, then call it there. But if you think that there's clever solutions that all of you can come up with and that yeah. works for everybody, that's 100% um, part of what Session Zero is all about. I love that. Okay, so Session Zero. Let's say we got the players, they're... They don't know each other that well. Mm-hmm. What sorts of things would you do? Um, so I often think about dungeon mastering, like mm-hmm. hosting a party. Yeah, which is interesting because my fear of DMing because 
I love to host a party. Mm-hmm. I would like invite people for dinner with the same thought that I would probably put into organizing my D&D party. Yep. The different types of people are just going to work better together. I'm excited about these people meeting these people. They have so much in common. They're going to have a ball. I would assume the same thing about putting these players together. So it helps if they're friends and they know each other, but yep. maybe they're not as familiar. So what kinds of tactics could I employ in the session zero to make them comfortable with each other? So first off, you are 100% right on that. If you can throw a good party, you can be a good DM. You can create a good party. Uh, absolutely. Party, party. Um, <laughs> you've got your new tagline right there. There you go. Um, so knowing which players work well together or what having a sense of what players might gel uh, from the outset is a great thing as a DM to know. Because, yes, you probably, if you already have a sense like, ooh, I have three players who are serious role players that yeah. are, like, really into, like, creepy stuff. But then I have one person who largely just wants to be there to tell Monty Python jokes and whatnot. Okay, maybe I keep them out of this sort of game yeah. or have a different sort of experience for them some some other time. Um, so definitely knowing social chemistry, have, being mindful of that, that's definitely something that can help you but is not is not necessary. Um, that's 100% of the space for a session zero to get folks at the table and to start having these conversations uh, about how you how you plan to run the game, what sort of um, plots you want to, uh, what sort of plots you want to run, what sort of rules you plan to use, so on and so forth. Even just by having a conversations about, hey, this is how I run a game. Um, this is what I expect. This is what I'm looking for. What do you expect? What are you looking for? Having those conversations, you can start to get everybody talking to one another and get a sense of, is this party working? Does this seem like these people can gel with each other? Can they have conversations? Um, can they come to compromises on issues they don't 100% agree with? Um, or are they perfectly aligned? A session zero is a great opportunity to to be like, okay, I can see this working. If it does, fantastic, proceed. If it doesn't, maybe it's something that you back out of. Um, something that comes up and I know we, we've spoken in pretty vague terms about um, a lot of what you might include, but it, during a session zero, of a, like, are you talking about rules? Are you talking about, um, you know, just very sort of like table formality basics of, of what you expect at a table, how you do, how you run aspects of the game, so on and so forth. We've been pretty general about that. Um, but something that I, I do want to particularly highlight, since we are talking about potentially playing with people that you've never played with before, uh, is the importance of safety tools. Yes, yes, I definitely want to bring that up. Thanks. Um, actually, what what do you have? No, I would just like that we that they're important, and I wanted to know if you have employed those in your previous games and how you bring those up. Absolutely. Um, safety tools are fantastically important, not just for, you know, playing in a convention setting with people that you don't know, but um, just 
honest, just honestly during any game. Uh, and I've heard a number of DMs being like, well, I don't employ safety tools because I've been running my group for f- 300 years. Right. I certainly know everything Nobody's about... Nobody's ever been offended. Exactly. And it's the sort of thing where it's like, well... If you ask your group, hey, tell me what you don't want to talk about, first of all, nobody does that. Um, second of all, <laughs> it turns out that I'm not going to tell you, my best friend, my mom, what happened to me on my worst day ever. So I'm not going to bring that up in the course of let's play a fun game. Like, it's just yeah. not a conversation that I want to have. Um, so coming up with a list of like, oh, and we're not going to talk about this horrible thing or this onerous thing or this terrible nightmare um, doesn't really work because I'm not going to tell you what I'm most scared about in the whole world. And when it does come up accidentally in a game, then it's something that I'm just going to have a reaction to or worse, I'm not going to have a reaction to and then I'm trapped at a table with the thing that I'm most scared right. of, talking about the thing that I'm most scared about, potentially with a bunch of strangers. Fun times. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So that's where safety tools come in. Uh, these things can be as simple as um, John Stravopoulos's X card, which is just a, a very simple, like, there is an X, a card with a literal X on the table. If your game heads in a direction where folks don't want to go. You just tap the X card and everybody agrees, oh, we're not going in that direction. We're going to slightly shift and we're going to move on to something else. Um, there's a number of other tools. Uh, lines and veils comes up a lot. Um, script changes, elements like this. There's actually a fantastic video by Random Tuesday, who's one of the players on... Uh, one of our Roll20 Present shows. Uh, if you just look up Random Tuesday's safety tools, she does a hot 10 minutes on here's what safety tools are, here's why they're important, here's what you can use. Check it out. It's fantastic. Um, but overall, um, safety tools are something that should be, a, at the very least, a conversation during session zero, just so folks know that they are available. You should have the conversation about... Um, do we want to use them? Are there reasons we wouldn't want to use them? Which specific ones would we want to use? Um, and generally, how does that help us all enjoy our game? So definitely something to bring up during a session. Zero. And people have been, in your experience, generally responsive to this? Oh, my God. Fan- right. Fantastic. I mean, it, doesn't, it seems like there are... It's a no-brainer. I have used the X card in a game that I've run before. I mean, that you were the DM for? Oh yeah. Um, just because you never know where something's going to take a turn. Right. Um, so it's the sort of thing where it's like, ooh, actually, I'm sort of uncomfortable with that. So let's tap that. Let's rewind this a little bit. Let's go a slightly different direction. And it's an opportunity where something could have gotten ugly at the table, and it could have been something where. You know, like afterwards or the next week or whatever have you, we would still be talking about that nasty thing that happened. But instead, since we had the conversation ahead of time, things took a turn and it didn't happen. I I guess that's the the answer to why you wouldn't just ignore it once and move on. Yep. It will keep coming up. Oh, absolutely. So it is important to know. So once somebody X's a topic, Mm -hmm. 
is it just kind of up to the players and the DM to remember that? Or do you actually include that in, like, player notes after? So that's one of the things that I totally recommend with a session zero is since this is so much about having conversations and getting on the same page about so many different elements is the session zero is sort of your opportunity to create your role-playing group's charter. This is your opportunity to be like, we have decided that we are going to do X, Y, and Z. We are not going to do X, Y, Y, and Z. We are going to handle this sort of thing this way. We are not going to do this, so on and so forth. Having that written down can be super helpful, whether it's in a Google Doc, whether it's in a binder, whatever have you, because then you can down the road, if you need to add to it, you can be like, oh, we've decided that we're going to handle this a certain way, or we're not going to do this, or whatever have you. This can, we've, we've talked about some pretty heavy stuff here with uh, a bunch of the safety tools, and while I think those are important and worth prioritizing, these can also be very simple things, like, hey, if you're not going to be able to make a session Here's how you should convey that information to the group. Um, Hey, we would prefer if people weren't on their computers during a session. Um, Or even minor things. Well, actually, before we get to minor things. um, Or even things like, hey, if you disagree with a DM's call, write down how you want to handle that. So folks... So it doesn't turn into a conversation that you're having mid-game. If it turns out you're one of my players and I get a rule wrong or something, sure, we can have a five-minute discussion right there during the climax of their campaign about like, no, actually, cantrip works like this. Um, Or we could be like, "Mm, you know what, let's let's sideline that for now. We'll talk about that afterwards we'll come up with a solution then and then we'll then we'll move forward from that. If that's a conversation that's already outlined in your notes from a session zero, then it's like, oh, you know what? We already have an established way to deal with calls from the DM that we don't understand or we don't agree with. That'll happen later. That conversation never even happens mid-game. It happens afterward. I like that. I've been in those games where those conversations have happened in the middle of the game and it kind of doesn't doesn't always work. Drags everything to a halt. So I feel like we – I feel like two things. One, those players that might argue about rules mm-hmm. perhaps could become an asset. Absolutely. Something that maybe you and I can discuss at another time. Seems like – it seems like a perfect topic for later. It, it sure does considering you had the great idea to talk about it. Totally giving you credit for that. (laughs) That is a good idea. Um, Second, I feel like we could talk about Session Zero stuff forever, but I think we will wrap it up here and then possibly revisit this topic again because it's an important one. That sounds fantastic. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. You are a wealth of knowledge, it is true. And I actually felt a flutter of inspiration. (laughs) I'm very excited. Um, if other people want to feel flutters of inspiration, where can they where can they find you in the in the the socials? Uh, you can definitely find me uh, on the Twitters uh, at f wes schneider, uh, and you can find me in all upcoming D anD D books. That's true. There you are. Thank you so much, Wes. Yeah, thanks you for having me. You are awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. That was another uh, How to DM. We are making great progress, everyone. Bear with me. We're going to learn this together. 
Bye. Bye. segments we've ever had. I could listen to that segment all day, every day. Do you think it's weird to use the word segment? Is that like talking about two inside baseball? Is it being like, we're creating content? No. Should we we refer to them as something else? I mean, the B part makes me feel a little sad. Right. I think that comes. Like, I think that came from from Ryan Marth as the uh, like uh, records the, news production because I don't know if oh. you guys know he used to be on the, the the live news production side of things. No, it just makes me feel like it's not quite as good. Because <laughs> it's B, drag- yeah, it's not, like like it's the B a side of a record. I see, but I prefer the B sides. They're usually the more interesting. They weird don't ever ones. get released as singles. Well, it's on the other side of the I thing. Know, That's why it's called the B side. It's just like your like sidekick. Your Handler. Yours. But sometimes those are the ones that are most valuable because they're they're uh, they're when the the band the can, or wants to take some risks and do something a little bit strange. Right. And so sometimes those are my favorite ones. Yeah. Right. They're, 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 I mean, it's not true in this case because everybody knows they all love Laura. You should know. What if we called it uh, the silver segment? Yeah. And then this is the platinum it segment. Sound off. Oh, see. I know. Now there's a value proposition yeah. on that, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll just go A and B. Sorry. We'll just go Electrum. We'll, we'll call it an Electrum segment. Okay. Or not even a segment. We can't get another. Yeah, we're throwing it to you guys. If you have another word that we should use about describing. Sketchy. Sketchy. Let us get Sketchy. to our uh, conversation with Ben Looms right about now. <laughs> Benjamin Looms calling in all the way from sunny Australia. Hello. Hello. The, the future's looking bright and warm and gorgeous. Sounds you are lovely. In, yeah, right. We're uh, we're recording this on a Friday, but that's actually a Saturday for you, right? That's right. It's amazing. The amazing, wonderful time technology. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ben is here. He's the designer of a time machine, yes. um, mm-hmm. which that's transports right. you the future. Uh, no, you are uh, the man behind Sirenscape, both the com- composition as well as the CEO, mm-hmm. major programmer. Yes, yeah, I wrote the original version of Sirenscape sort of like 11 years ago in Python and shared it sort of as donationware and sort of has grown a little bit since then. A little bit. Fantastic. A little bit. (laughs) Uh, We have talked to you uh, before here on Dragon Talk, but for those who may not know exactly what Sirenscape does, uh, tell everyone. What is is it? Mm, mm. Sirenscape is an app that creates beautiful, immersive uh, sound effects ambiences, environments, and a movie-like soundtrack for tabletop games. It works locally at your table or remotely if you're playing using a virtual tabletop. Oh. Oh, I didn't know it was remote. I didn't know that you could do the remote part. Mm. That is very, very cool. Yeah, tell us about the (laughs) online player because that's, I think, new since we've talked last. It is, absolutely, yes. So it it makes me sad to think that people would have to play uh, on a virtual tabletop and just use sort of MP3 recordings or YouTube or or whatever and uh, miss out on the awesome sort of generative, always varying, beautiful, rich and customizable Sirenscape thing. So, yeah, probably about 18 months ago or two years ago, we uh, started working on the online player and it came out as beta at the beginning of the year and basically means you can run a version of Sirenscape controlling it from your browser and all your players just to have a little have a little box on their PC or on their phone or whatever. And when you push drag and attacks you and makes you all die incredibly rapidly, then that sound comes out in pure stereo, uh, with, with not using any of the bandwidth of your sort of 
voice connection or anything just comes out right on their machine and uh, it's been great we've been using it in our team game and it works absolutely gorgeous and even when the voice chat kind of drops out and becomes choppy sirenscape because it's running locally on your machine just keeps steaming along and beautiful full quality and it helps to smooth things and once again immersion helps to keep everyone engaged in the game i love it so the information that you're you're spreading over the internet is just the control packets. It's not the actual audio because the audio is all saved locally. That's really that's a really brilliant way to do it. Yeah, absolutely, it's huge. So when you say dragon attacks and kills everyone incredibly rapidly, the little on player says online player that the players in Milwaukee is running says, hey, I've already got those in my cache. I'll just play them straight away. Or um, it says, help, I need those. Uh, I need those from the cache and just request them at cell fire its own internet connection. And uh, yeah, and the coolest thing was that the big trick was working out how to make everything work in sequence because Sirenscape uh, is randomized and it doesn't just play the same recording of Dragon Roars playing every time. It actually picks random intervals for the Dragon Roars to come from. Uh, According to the parameters you said, it puts the Dragon Roars far away one time and then close another time. Um, we actually send out a random sample with with the Sirenscape machine on that click, and and all the all the little Sirenscape machines are all making their own little dice rolls about what to play when and where. But of course, because they've been sent the same seed, the same sample um, seed, they all make the same decisions. And that, the day we worked we out, we could do that. It was like, oh my god, that's so cool! So yeah, so just that call, play dragon sounds, and it happens. And I think that is one of the the, the kind of key selling points to Sirenscape over. Um, you know, other players are just playing a CD, for example, is that this this random algorithm uh, that makes it feel less uh, like I'm hearing the same track over and over again. You could, it feels like you know you're 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 introducing some randomness in there, so it feels really uh, you know, natural. Yeah. Yeah, super, super, super important. If you hear the same sequence of rah, rah, kind of, you know, once every 15 minutes. Rah, 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 It's catchy, we definitely. Will, we will. <laughs> It's, it's, like it's that. It that's right. Yeah, we should write that down. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that, and also the ability then to customize. So you can, while you're killing your players really quickly with a super big dragon, you can also just add in the sound of rain, or you can trigger the dragon's breath weapon when the dragon actually breathes. So it's those two things. It's the fact that it, it behaves randomly, even if you don't pay any attention to it. But also then you can tweak it yourself, which is super important. Yeah, if I'm gonna die in a TPK by a dragon. I want to hear that dragon. I want to hear it Yay. as it takes the life out of me. Absolutely. I want to know what that sounds like. Respect. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we should mention, is is Dan, in fact, in the chat? Because I gather Dan is in the chat. Okay. Yes. Dan in the chat who will be answering questions if um, any yeah. any of yeah, our viewers... Great. Yeah. yeah, I do tend to do okay. tend to get excited and just ramble on in an excited way okay. and get off topic. So Dan can just scold me in chat and say, and then people know. can revisit the, the this video and yeah, see sure. all the questions and answers. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you mentioned you've been creating stuff for D and D. My you know first introduction into running that as a dungeon master was in the Waterdeep Dragon Heist uh, sound uh-huh. set that you put out there. Uh, but you have ones for for Ghosts of Saltmarsh as well as for Descent into Avernus, right? Yes, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage as well, and the Lost nice. Mine of Fandelva. Lost Mine of Fandelva is the best-selling product we've ever had in Sirenscape. And, uh, so, ever? Yeah, ever, absolutely, it's, which is amazing. So, A, it shows that the adventure is a fantastic introduction to Dungeons & Dragons and that lots and lots of people are playing it, and now they're playing it with sort of epic, heroic welcomes to town and, and all the different monsters in that. Well, just in case people don't know, since I, I know Dan's listening, he'd like me to make sure I'm being clear. <laughs> 
Um, what happens when you've got an adventure module like the Lost Minds of Fandelva? Uh, basically, each of those titles in the module, when it says, you know, there's now a goblin ambush, you just look in Sirenscape and there's a button that says goblin ambush and you just click the goblin ambush button and, and all the sounds start. And then when it says, you know, uh, at the mine entrance in the module, you just click that button in Sirenscape. So all that prep of having to find the perfect sound and mix it up yourself, which you can do yourself if you're into that. I know some dungeon masters are into that, but um, all that's done for you in Sirenscape in those adventure modules and each of the scenes is laid out and you just push the button and it all happens for you. I think the the best example of that was when I started to run uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist and I downloaded all the chapter one uh, and I was like, uh, oh, you know, I mentioned uh, this purple shop where it's an old Zoblop shop. And I was like, oh, there's yeah. no way... No way that Ben did that. And I looked at him like, oh my God, there is a Zoblob shop <laughs> soundscape in here. And I pressed it and it was like exactly what, you know, I'm not as much of an audio like file necessarily, but it was like, oh yeah, that's what, this is what I would want it to, to sound like. Um, yeah, but I feel absolutely. like we can, we can cue you up with some actual uh, examples here. So we've talked about the, the Goblin ambush. Uh, what does that sound like? If it's just yeah. so that people can get some, some idea. So the theory is I can share my screen. So should we give that a go? Uh, not, not right now for the scaring the screen not because right, right now, now we're just looking uh, at your face. And I think if we did that, okay. uh, we'd mess Lovely. it up. So I just want to kind of hear it. Yeah. What, is it, what does Lost it sound like? Lost mine of Fandoma. So I'm just typing LMOP into Sirenscape. And there's the Goblin Arrows uh, sound set. And if you guys turn it up on your end, if we've Ooh, done our amazing I can hear it correctly, uh, I'm going to hit, first I'll just hit a wagon to Fandelva, which gives the players this fantastic uh, intro into the, here we go, you're oh. hearing... Heroic music? Yes. Excellent. So how to make your players feel awesome right at the start. So the very first thing that happened when you run this adventure is you get that heroic music. It's true. I got like, goosebumps. Yeah. You got goosebumps? Yes. Yeah. You I'm feel like, like all excited. I'm thinking about like a new player. Like D&D is awesome. Right. Right yeah, off the bat. Absolutely. Yeah, and then this is where the dungeon master would be setting the scene and getting yeah. people excited. And, and I feel heroic. I hear the birds chirping. Yep, and so that music will then fade away into something more backgroundy because you don't want that hammering along the whole time. And then, yeah, it's just sort of cart going along and all the players can introduce their characters and chat and all that sort of stuff and work out what spells they have because they didn't bother spelling, choosing their spells before they came. Yeah, so that goes and goes and goes. Oh. And then, yeah, I, on, on my interface here, I've got goblin ambush button and I'm going to go, well, I suppose we're up Beep. to that bit. So I'm going to push that goblin ambush. And we're using the online player here, so this is just like your remote player um you know you can be anywhere in the world and you'll be hearing that now all right and so you can, you can imagine the dungeon master saying like okay everybody roll for initiative yep and while we're Absolutely. doing the business of doing that all of a sudden this this soundscape enters and mm-hmm. can run for the whole adventure uh, but you also have specific sound effects too right that you can you can press for yes. like when you do like oh it's uh you missed Absolutely. Wow. I've got, uh, what, what can I do? I've got some weapon impact sounds here. I like, I like this one in particular for missing. <laughs> I rolled the one. Okay, what if you do hit? What if you hit him? You do hit. You do hit between the eyes. The most important sound in Sirenscape, I think, by, by public consensus is this one. Oh, the Wilhelm <laughs> scream. <laughs> and yeah, the spell sounds like these sorts of things. And a fireball spell. And oh, force missiles and things. Do we have all the spells in here? Like We do. We've got I've got sort of generic 
generic spells, uh, so kind of your nought level one, your first level, second, first, and then we've got actual specific spells in there, so like your magic missile and your fireball and all those ones. So healing spells are super cool. One of the really good moments I like, let's, let's calm this down, a bit of paved mouth. One of the moments I like, especially for a cleric, you know, kind of gets to your turn as a cleric, and you're like, I'm going to do something awesome, like heal everyone and kind of miss out on the glory. But with Sirenscape, you can hit that sort of, um, that heal sound, get this glorious blossoming of, of heroic, uh, angelic love flowing over Aww. the players. And, and it makes the cleric feel awesome. And clerics always deserve to feel awesome. Yeah. Awesome yeah. <laughs> That's really lovely. And is this music that you composed? You did all mm. of this? This music is the music in Lost Minds, actually by Barry Dublay, who's a guy in France. Oh. Uh, we've actually, it used to be, say up until, I don't know what, three years ago, every single song in Sirenscape was my own creation. Uh, and then we basically have branched out as we've got releasing more and more content. And we don't want to always hear the same sort of ideas of the same composer. Uh, I did, however, claim Descent into Avernus for myself because it's just so incredibly awesome. And the main themes of Ghost of Saltmaster are all my own compositions, yeah. But uh, we've got a, quite a big team. There's a guy in Germany called Christian Kerding who does a lot of our sound, sound design. Steve Barr in Derby in the UK is a fantastic composer and, and sound designer. And yeah, Barry is amazing too. So we've got a whole team now. That's fantastic. All right. So yeah, you want to shift tracks and listen to some uh, of the Descent to Avernus? Because I, I, yes. I'm going to be honest, I have not heard any of these. I so I'm either. excited to jump in. And and you were at D&D. Well, while you're queuing that up, I'll, I'll, I'll queue you up. It's saying uh, you were at D&D Live 2019, The Descent. Uh, mm. recording some voices and things from fans and attendees there. Absolutely, yeah. So the demons and, and some of those voices are done by fans. There's lots of uh, Wizards of the Coast staff in Sirenscape as well, which is mostly We're, in, we're in here. Absolutely, we're both yes, in. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that you're an excellent director because Aww. you're very good at, like, getting, mm. like, people to, like, you like I don't know I can't wish I could think of a proper example mm. but like something random like why are you asking me to do that and then you turned it yeah. into something yeah. amazing yeah what's really fantastic is that you have the ability with all your recording soundtrack uh, or software to not only record it but then immediately as we record it to be like here let me just do a couple of filters this is kind of what it's going to sound like yeah and we could be like whoa I just did that like five seconds ago and you've already mixed it and done filters on yeah. it and makes it's it like sound like, like what you wanted yeah. to do twenty minutes ahead of every sound you're like I, I, I know what this is going to turn into yeah. it's just weird there's an amazing video of uh, there's an amazing video of Chris Perkins recording Xanathar and yeah we, we, we mixed the video and we just applied the, the uh, voice oh, effects halfway, halfway through the video and it's super 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 cool and yeah really really epic right should I play you some of the Hellscape of Vernus? so yes. this stuff is only available to our, all our subscribers at the moment. We're releasing the official first pack sort of, you know, sometime in the near future. But all our subscribers have got access to this. And I'll play you this. It's, there's a hellscape, which I'm very, very proud of. And I'm going to turn on the grim music. Mm. A, lot of the, a lot of the content in Sirenscape is fairly minimal. You know, you don't want to be attracting attention on players all the time. It's supposed to be acting as a subliminal cue for emotion. Yeah, that's an important <laughs> distinction, right? Because yeah. you want you don't want it to. I mean, there's certain moments where you want it to feel swelling and yeah. you notice the music. But the best part of any soundtrack to a game or movie is one that you don't cognitively realize that Absolutely. you're listening to. Absolutely, yeah. So you don't you don't say, "Oh, oh my like gosh, the, the trombones just played a tritone. I think the players are in trouble." Or yeah, there's this epic guitar happening in the background. I love this, man. And it'll just noodle away. There's another one coming. 
This is like, I can just picture like the opening of a movie. Yeah. yeah. And you can see that the dust yes. uh, going along mm-hmm. and the, the Mad Maggie. <laughs> That's right. Okay. You want, it to, you want it to break out? Just wait for this. So this is the rolling battle. This is where we go full on Mad Max. Nice. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You immediately want to stick your tongue out. You do. Yeah. You really want to do some (laughs) double horns. Oh, that's so good. Uh, Or the the wiggles, you know, whatever whatever your thing is. That's right. (laughs) I wasn't thinking wiggles. That must be an Australian thing. Well, you know the wiggles, right? So this will go group? Yeah. Yeah, the guys with the t-shirts. I thought, like, the wiggles was like a... Like a head banging move <laughs> or something. <laughs> You're doing the wiggles. Come wiggle up. <laughs> Bang your head and do some wiggles. <laughs> oh, so man. this will go epically huge just for about kind of 60 seconds or something. And then it kind of boils down and, and simmers down. So obviously you don't want to run combat over the top of this the whole time. Right, but, but it- you just, you know... I, yeah, I love that you can just press the button and be like, all right, here's a, here's a theme, and then that theme can then recede and you want to, you know, have it go back to the ambience, right? I love this Absolutely. music. I really do. I do Here too. Here we go. So it's, just, so it's just simmering down now. Simmer down now. <laughs> it's just the right amount of time. And then there's an epic moment button here, which is like you can basically add guitar licks over the top of this. So see how it's just going, yeah, it's cool. Then one of your players actually does something epic and you just touch the epic moment button. They get their own little solo. They do. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my god, you just rolled a nat 20. Describe right, to me how really you good. killed the devil. I am awesome in all the ways. And Bow. then yeah, once again, just goes back to that simmering kind of groovy beat. Yeah, um, that's that's Avernus. That is amazing. And you composed all this music? Yes. Did yes, you do it on a on the did you record it on an actual guitar or is that synthesizer? He can't <laughs> give away his secrets. That. It's so amazing. So all these guitar and, and if, if you listen really carefully, you'll hear all these guitars are driven by me singing. What? So I'll, 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 I'll play you one of them. So have to listen to this. Wait, that's you singing? No. Yeah, so that's literally that's... me going. I told you he does amazing things like that. <laughs> really? Are you kidding? That's not even a guitar. No, it's not a guitar, no. Wow. I definitely can't, can't play guitar that well. And I've worked out how to do, like, you know, like the, the fret clicks and the and things like that. I've worked out when I'm running my voice through this 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 um, big chain of effects that I've, I've, I've worked out. Yeah, I've worked out how to get all the different fret sounds and the glisses and slides and bends and everything. And my family thinks I'm absolutely mad. It's so hilarious. It's like my, my teenage children just walk past the door going, oh, God, you know, Dad's, Dad's gone mad again. He's going, <laughs> I'm creating music for hell. Shut up. <laughs> right. If they knew how badass this was <laughs> in the final product, they'd be okay with it. But do you the... ever get them to participate too? Or to do oh, yeah, sound effects? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my son, Eldon, is uh, 18 and actually composing for Sirenscape 2 as well now. Oh, nice. Awesome. Way to go, Eldon. Um, but especially when he was going through puberty, <laughs> his voice was like, his voice was like usable every kind of six weeks or so. You'd get a different color, and it was absolutely fantastic. 
and he was doing like hillbilly ogres at one point. He's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. My voice was like this. And it was like, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like, no, it's just so perfect. Just You're keep, like, keep saying things. This oh two God. weeks of your development yeah. is what I need to capture forever. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's and now, so now, just so he can intimidate, his, his voice is actually significantly deeper and more manly than mine, which is not really saying very much, but it, it's, it's um, yeah, he now has this lovely, lovely resonant voice, so I can use it for giants and things, which is super cool. That's so funny. Did you just hear me describe how I, I saw my neighbor, uh, who's 13 year old, and going through that exact same thing? Yeah. Uh, like not 10 minutes ago, I was just saying how I was experiencing yeah. that in real life, and it is it is pretty amazing to see. It's mind blowing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Wow. It's little wonder that little wonder that kids of that age, you know, teenagers, just find it so difficult to work out who the hell they are and and who they want to be and what that means. You know, it's a real massive challenge. And then they have their dad using their voice and turning them into <laughs> screaming goblin babies and, and making D and D music though. So it's dad, like, <laughs> not funny. But now, dad, it's not funny. <laughs> Wait, let me record that. Can you scream yeah. your anger again and your Can angst? Can you have that meltdown again? <laughs> I'm going to put you in the app. Always it's be careful. So Always be careful. Cool. Do you have Mad Ma- you must have Mad Maggie on here. Uh, no, we haven't done Mad Maggie yet. So that's that's what's coming. So the the Avernus, the actual packs that support the adventure are coming. And what we've released to all our subs is just a general hellscape of oh, okay. epic music and we've done Boulder Skate already, but uh, I was just sitting on this content thinking how incredibly awesome it is uh, and, you know, that I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hold on to it anymore. It is and, so great. Uh, so, it's yeah, so, so, we've, so that's available for our subscribers. There's, there, you, can, you can buy content one by one, so you can buy those adventure packs like that Lost Minor Fandelver adventure, which unlocks like sort of five sound sets to support that adventure. Uh, you can then buy Dungeon of the Mad Mage or Dragon Heist or whatever, but you can also subscribe just like Netflix and just unlock absolutely everything. And when you're a subscriber, it then means you'll be able to just be playing. And since D&D games always go completely as planned, <laughs> um, you could like you could type in Manticore into the search field and it'll bring up the Manticore, which I think is in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. You can type in Knoll or Troll or Goblins or all manner of different colored dragons and you'll always find a sound there that you can just hit go on. So, um, yeah, and sub- subscribing sort of gives you that sort of freedom to have everything available at the, all the time. Right. So we've heard uh, this amazing, mm. you know, background music and stuff like that. But are there any voices? And you mentioned, you know, Chris is the yes. Xanathar. Or oh, is there yeah, any? Yeah, do you yeah. know, have any of Shelly uh, as, as crying I was lady crying number four? I do. I do. We need we need Shelly crying. So I'll do I that first. I've never haven't heard it. I, I haven't know either. I, can. I, don't. I know that you've like manipulated it's it. not really it's you. not real it's crying woman number four right <laughs> but it- so 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 we at fireball in dragon heist the public is fireballed at one point here we go you got turned up that i just it'll, it'll here, just, yeah turn down the music sound. that's gonna make me yep. cry in real yep. life it'll cross uh. okay i'm gonna it's go aftermath here and turn on kate <laughs> Kate Welsh, <laughs> turn on Kate, Kate Welsh and and Shelley weeping. Oh, hear it. It's actually quite awful. You go, you, your emotional delivery oh, was wow. frighteningly good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. And cry. there's a man as well. Turn off the man. That was me. Was that you? No. And one of the cool thing is when you when you speak to good. that's really good. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> That's my college education at work. Eighty thousand dollars later. I'm gonna send that to my dad. <laughs> I send it to dad. my dad. Hello, I'm Theater. Thanks, buddy. I'm crying in the background. <laughs> and, 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I it just keeps it. going. Yeah, yeah, it'll just it'll just keep sort of vamping on all the different cries. It'll, they're always randomized in order, the little particles. Oh, that's so cool. We also yeah. did, like, the tavern, and that was really fun. Yes. When a bunch oh, of us the were singing, at the... The, the singing in the tavern, oh, let's do that. Yeah. I lip-synced to that part. I didn't sing. You were like, uh, watermelon shoes, watermelon shoes. Like, like, brown fox, like, like, brown fox. Oh, yeah. Raucous drinking. Yeah, we did, like, yeah, that one. I, answer. I was yeah. good at that. <laughs> How do I... Drunken songs, here we are. So it'll just start in a moment. Not everything starts the instant you start a location. You don't want, yeah. like, the dog to wolf and everything. And uh, here it is. We'll be a drunken song starting. Yeah, here we are. That's so good. And when you're ready to then chat to say Volo, you can just click eating quietly, which simmers down the venue because you don't want to try and have a conversation over the top of that. And you can just click Volo, so he says this sort of thing, which is Chris Perkins, by the way. wizard and celebrity, at your service. I trust you've noticed the violence in our fair city. Etc. Etc. Spoilers, spoilers. So yeah, so you can cut him off and go back to yeah. So yeah, someone actually said on Twitter the other day, like, oh, what what does Volo sound like? What voice should I do? And I'm like, well, well, do we have a few examples for you? Yeah, we got a suggestion. If you'd like the official take on on how Chris Perkins imagined the follow sounds, and it's it's sitting in this app, so yeah. I love that you what you what you did with the dialogue was uh, you know there's obviously read aloud text that's in uh, Waterdeep mm. Dragon Heist, which is much easy to you know it's blocked out. You can be like, okay, this is the stuff that we should record. But you also even when there was just a, anything in quotations or a quote that was said yeah. by a uh, character. You ask people to record those so that, you know, uh, through the course of, as a dungeon master, when I'm playing that, I will know when I have certain cues to, to, to put yeah. in there. And I'll, But then I totally feel free to uh, use that voice and, and improvise off of it. You just mm. want to, it's, it's again, it's like just setting the stage. You're like, okay, this is kind of what this character sounds like. It doesn't mean you have to match it up directly when you're yeah. doing it. And it kind of freed me up as a performer when you're doing dungeon mastering type stuff because you could just be like, all right, this is the tone that you're going to be hearing. I'm just going to be talking yeah. in my normal Greg voice. And yeah. but you know you should be imagining it in this ah well all of them get on and like that you know you just can kind of yeah. go with it yeah right. it worked you've, out really you've, well you've, you've set the tone and the character and it's clearly not Greg but now we can all kind of yeah um, suspend our disbelief and just imagine that character each time we meet him and you can also reset that you know every time you every time you come across him and of course a lot of these NPCs you can actually have whole conversations with as well if you like you know we put the yeses and the nos and the and the, I don't understand what you're saying and, and all those sorts of things in there too, which was super cool. One of the interesting ones that someone tweeted at me the other day was the the um, speak with the dead in that fireball scene when you can actually interrogate a couple of those crispy bodies oh. and and they're in there, which is super cool. So we'll go back to the aftermath. And that it's once again, it's box text. So if you players ask a question that would normally trigger that block boxed text. Well, you're crying still. Oh, yeah. Me. yeah, you're oh, crying. Oh, it's so sad. Here no. we go. You can, you can do this. Just slight spoiler for, for Dragon Heist. Just shut your ears if you like. Yeah, there you go. And so that, 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 that dead voice will actually speak to you. Oh, that's a, that's a voice from the yeah. dead. Oh, I was trying to, is that an orc? I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Oh. Yeah, so it was a little cool. low in, in, in my cans. Yeah, yeah um, I, didn't, I didn't turn it up. I had, I <laughs> that's had okay, it was packing. a spoiler. It's a spoiler. That's right, you that's got right. The yeah. Gist. We'll keep, we'll you got the gist of it. 
That's so, yeah. so fun. So you went, the location that you mentioned. The old Zablab shop. Okay. So when you do okay. something like that, like, like a location, is it, mm-hmm. are, are you reading about this location and in your head you're like, okay, I'm picking, you're picking out the little nuggets that you want to, um, yeah. to work on or are you working with people here at Wizards and saying yeah. what would be in this shop? What a cool question. So, yeah, totally. Um, uh, <laughs> you're good at those question wow. things. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. You'll find if you actually know, pay attention, the D&D books are, and the modules are incredibly descriptive when it comes to audio and, and the environment. Um, and it's actually relatively easy to to just read the text that says, you know, the sound of traffic is distant, but there's, you know, sort of bubbling beakers or there's sort of the continual knocking of a, of a, of a back door or whatever. A woman coughing. Really, a woman coughing, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. And laughing and now puking in the corner. Record it, record it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it's the, when the Neverwinter Plague and Neverwinter Nights 1, use it, those coughs, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, so I literally just read the text. And also what's super, super, super cool about the Wizards of the Coast guys is that being able to come in and visit and, literally just sit there and say, right, what's, you know, what's a spiked devil sound like? And we give some examples and whatever. And someone says, no, no, that's way too big. If you looked at the Monster Man, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yes, you're right. They're a little bit smaller. They, their larynx wouldn't sound like a you know, hippopotamus. And then, yeah, you process thing. Uh, we put everything into review with wizards and wizards will come back and, you know, the guys will say like, yeah, this is great, but kind of, you know, change it to this or don't forget this element. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really super collaborative process, which is amazing. I love that you're taking the information that's provided to dungeon masters and then just extrapolating it all from yeah. there. Right? I mean, I think yeah. any any good um, uh, DM will tell you if you ask for advice, like just you know paint a picture with words as to what mm. things smell like <laughs> and mm. taste like. I mean, it's it's you know it's good writing advice mm. in general. But you're taking mm. those cues and then being like, all right, well now I can kind of create those um, soundscapes. Sirenscapes mm. for people mm. to be able to, to use in that way, and I mm. think that's that's awesome. Absolutely, and and having one of the things I've been doing more recently is DJing for live events. Yes, and I did that that Lost Odyssey thing in LA the other day with Deborah. Oh, cool! And, and you literally can just sit there listening to what Deborah says, and she's so incredibly descriptive, and, and just just basically turn on the sounds that match that match what she said. Or Kate, Kate as well at um, and, and Chris at um, the Descent was amazing. And I think if you're a good dungeon master, you're trying to hit those those all those senses. You're trying to describe the smell that that assails people's nostrils, and and uh, even some of those in in the texts. Like if if you say there's a smell of rotting meat, well, the audio analog of that is is you know sort of subliminal buzzing of flies, flies and rotting things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, maybe some yes. maybe some squelching or whatever. Or or if you say that if you say the heat is oppressive as a dungeon master, well. The audio analog of that is that kind of slight high-pitched whining sort of, you know, sort of heat haze kind of sound, which you'll always get in a movie if, if you're trying to really make an audience feel oppressed and hot. It's all like, a psh, so, like a buzz yeah, almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, if, you, if your characters are talking or you're, you know, in a big conversation thing, you might not want to have a scene with a mm. lot of talking behind it. Uh, mm. So there's definitely ways that you can tweak things where you're like, all right, well, <laughs> You know, hey, we're in a large, loud bar. We've set the scene, but then, hey, I can just take out this talking track because it's you know distracting or for whatever reason. You can you can Absolutely. do that on the fly. That's, 
Yeah, that's super, super, super important. So all of those elements of that sound design, you know, the 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 person burping and the person laughing at them, and then yeah, the general loud hubbub, and then there's a softer hubbub, and there's the clinks of glasses and the bumps of chairs. All those are just sitting there in a list, and you just turn them off or turn them down or turn them up or whatever, um, just as you want to. And that's super, super important to to just be able to uh, you know sort of craft that environment. And for instance, that that heat sound, you know, that high whining heat sound might be good for for like 90 seconds to kind of set the scene and to, to make everyone feel uncomfortable and awkward. But, you know, maybe someone at the table gets really irritated by that, just switch it off. And, and um, you know, you can't do that if it's just a recording that, that someone else has mixed. And uh, that's super, super important for me to, and to have it all available right at your fingertips and you just see the sound, you just turn it off or once again, as we talked about triggering special events or, or the Wilhelm scream or the sad trombone at those key moments where you really want to attract attention to the soundtrack. It's super cool too. When you're a so when you're doing these live events, um, mm. how much do you? I mean, kind of going off mm. of what you just said, like how much do you fear and or work with the dungeon masters to make sure mm. you're not stealing focus? Because there definitely are can be mm. moments where you're like, oh man, you don't want mm. the the soundtrack to be the star right now. You want the people on stage to be the star. And how do you know when to balance that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So if you think about like a James Bond movie, you virtually never notice the soundtrack except for those um, musical stings that he has. You know, when James Bond does something like... Dun, 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 dun. That's right. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> he, he, he grabs the, the bar heater and puts it in the pool or, or he, he makes a particularly high jump and that's when the soundtrack says, Hello me! Or in Lord <laughs> of the Rings, in Lord of the Rings when the Fellowship has come together and they're leaving... Um, uh, the Elfland, who I can't remember the name of, and they and they Lothlorien. crest up over Lothlorien. They, no, not Lothlorien in the first place. Rivendell. Um, Rivendell, yes. And they come up over the over the crest of the mountain, and the soundtrack wells, and you get that big light motif, you know, dum da 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 da. You know, all right, the hero point, moment when they're all yeah, you, you right. see every character, yeah. Mm, mm. So, say if I'm DJing a live event, then you really you are literally trying to play sub, play subliminal the whole time. You want people to feel whatever they're supposed to be feeling, if that's like awkward and disturbed, if there's some deep rumbles, which, you know, make everyone nervous and there's kind of a skittering sound just at the edge of consciousness and all that's being taken on board uh, emotionally and is affecting everyone. But as we said before, they're not saying, um, you know, oh, the music soundtrack is implying the hero is in danger, you know, <laughs> but um, all that still affects really, really strongly anyway. And then, yes, there's, there's moments where we want that soundtrack to stand out, you know, if, if there's a... I bet when I'm DJing a live event, I'm I'm looking for at least one, you know, good laugh out loud, uh, sad trombone, and you know, and one Wilhelm scream, <laughs> you know, uh, just 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 to really to have that fun with the audience, and then yeah, get get back out of the way as well, which is super important. I love it. You were mm. you were doing the you were DJing at the Descent, and I think it was yes. the game that was it Perkins that was. When the, the lights the, went out. When the lights went out, that yeah. game. Yes. Because you you had those those moments of I think yeah. it was the scream or something. Like it's mm, very mm. very well placed, but I remember mm, the audience mm. just loving it. But yeah, mm. now I guess we have to add a sound effect for a bunch of balloons hitting a, a wire <laughs> <laughs> and making oh. the lights go out in a venue. I think it's a sad trombone. <laughs> that's that sound effect wow. is. Wow. Or yeah. maybe that's when you. It, I feel like you did do something really funny when yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah, <laughs> I just try to help. I just just try to be there yeah. for, for everyone. Yes, no, you're. Uh, it's it's really good. Well, what I like about what 
the, the this tool gives to dungeon masters is that you can just kind of telegraph things a little bit more, and you can make mm. comments on things, obviously. Um, mm. But like, I mean, everybody's uh, had a moment where you're you're introducing a goblin or a monster that you want to be comic relief, but mm-hmm. but the players will be like, "Well, I'm gonna kill it," and you're like, or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, get and so. You can have these subtle things that you don't necessarily have to be. Right. Hey, dungeon! Or the dungeon master would be like, "Hey, look, you know, this is, you're, this yeah. is not the, this is not the battle. This is a a uh, conversation right. starter type thing." <laughs> right. But you can use subtle cues and music in order to kind of mm-hmm. cue that up mm-hmm. a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you get more familiar with the uh, the tool, it becomes just kind of second nature, just like you're yeah. taking notes or or uh, uh, rolling dice behind the screen. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you can even you can even undermine the dialogue, you know, with ironic commentary. Um, so if you, you can be having that conversation with the fairly innocent looking barkeep, and if you play that sort of foreboding bass pedal, just bring it in the ball, you know, and 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 then have a couple of. Uh, oh, you can tell I'm the sound guy. It's high quality. Um, then you know, <laughs> I- instantly that trust and sense of sort of you know just normal life is thrown out the window, and suddenly everyone's on edge and changing their judgments. And you don't have to do anything. You can you can keep the voice acting of the character you're doing completely innocent and naive and beautiful, and you've you've changed the context of that interaction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at those old. Uh, I mean, we've seen a bunch of them uh, on online over the over the um, last few years of people taking a trailer. <laughs> And putting different soundtracks behind it, and you're like, "Oh, here's Mrs. Doubtfire." But if you put yeah. the horror music behind it, all of right. a sudden you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is a scary movie." Is, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, five, uh, six years ago, when we first came out with this professional version of Sirenscape, the argument we were making at conferences was was literally, "Hey, you should add music to your table." And and people were like, "Oh no," you know, some people were like, "Oh, I don't do that," you know, that spoils the art form and everything like that. And we are literally not making that argument anymore. And everyone is using, is trying to find the way to use music and how to get um, that sort of wonderful emotional punch and storytelling punch out of it. And our argument is just literally, why would you use Sirenscape rather than something free? And uh, obviously there's all these sorts of reasons about customization, controllable, lack of repetition. Uh, you can make up your playlist, blah, 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 the official license stuff, all that sort of stuff is easy. But where literally the argument has moved and changed um, so that everyone understands now the power of music and, and, and not just music, obviously. So some people are using uh, Spotify playlists, but as you know, Sirenscape has environments and monsters and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's super cool. It's really interesting transformation. A lot of that's happened with the demographic change in D&D as well as, as the, the group that is playing has broadened out in a major way. As well as just the rise of streaming and performative yeah. D&D in general. I think when you yeah. were making that argument five, six years ago, there wasn't this prevalence of shows out there that you could point to as being like that's that's what D and D is, and you know yeah. Yeah. we heard that from from uh, you know from Actresses Incorporated to Critical Role and on that were like oh that's yeah. not real D and D that's something yeah. else, and yeah. I think at this point that conversation has ended, and now people are yeah. like how can I incorporate yeah. some yeah. of the inspirations I've seen on stage into my home game and yeah. what I like about your tool is that it makes it so easy to do. Yeah, especially yeah. for an audio podcast. I mean, just for a, a podcast, not even a, mm. a live stream, but <clears throat> it really, that they're becoming like radio theater. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's really... It's amazing. So Absolutely amazing. Do you, I'm curious, I guess I would be curious to play around with, with Sirenscape if I were to ever be a dungeon master. Oh, man. If. Uh-huh. This is a big if. <laughs> but to like subtly change the music in the background to um, kind of make my players 
subliminally realize shit's about to get real. Or you're yeah. like, or like, mm-hmm. the, like I'm not going to say that you've just wandered into dangerous territory, but maybe the music is going to like, feel like make you, you feel like something mm-hmm. is about to change. Do you ever use it for things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the whole point. That's right, to be able to set that scene on a, on a subliminal level so that, are you guys hearing it now? Is it actually turned up? Ooh. This sounds lovely. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that there's, so there's just a, a beautiful, beautiful environment. It's yes. uh, kind of kind of magical and you know uh, beautiful and, and calming. Yes. And then I'll just find. I'll just find. Uh, Is that? That was that like a bird. <laughs> that was that like an orca. Was that was that Ben's uh, son going through puberty? <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Dory trying to speak whale. <laughs> I think that's an elk, actually. I think we're using it as a as a like a, a cloaker, and I think it's an elk. They make the most horrendous sounds. Oh, I know. Like foxes so, yeah. too. When you're listening to like a yeah. fox's sound. You're like, that sounds like a demon right mm-hmm. outside. That's right. Uh, and then what happens if I add this? Oh yeah. I would, oh. I would say, you guys, maybe Let's, we should. Wait, leave. we're on top of a Tarasque? <laughs> no! Let me get up here. Yeah. There it is. That's, there, there it is. We're out. There's a dinosaur Peace coming. out, party. I'm leaving. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, yeah. So good. And, like, you know, and all I did is I searched for like forest to try and have something pretty and then found, oh, that's right, there's this forest in Dungeon of the Mad Mage and it's super cool and I just pushed that. And then I went to, <coughs> all the subscribers have like all lots of the elements uh, sorted into individual sound sets. So I went to the elements horror oh. sound set and, and just, just clicked on, you know, pulsating drone and drum hits and just added those in. So you can just layer kind of upon layer upon layer. Mm. That's so mm. cool. Yeah. And mm. you can do it on the fly or you can do that ahead of time, right? You can create your own yeah. soundscapes based on all yeah. the pieces that you provide. That's right. So for um, for the Lost Odyssey DJing the other day, uh, Deborah just gave me like a list of the different environments, she, which she was fairly sure she was gonna she was gonna hit, and I just searched around Sirenscape and I made myself a playlist of the sound sets that I figured were gonna be useful, and uh, had them available. So I had that horror elements, and I had like a forest, and I had you know a library and various different things, and then they were all sort of a shorter list because there's a whole lot, 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 lot of content in in that left hand column, the Sirenscape. But I made myself a little short sh- sh- playlist, and then I basically just vamped on that. Just clicked on different things, turned them on, layered them, turned on some rain at some point, and then transitioned from that into something else. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, the, the whole point of the so interface great. is to make is to, with a little bit of prep, not too much, and obviously with those pre-made adventures, virtually no prep. Uh, just to just to be able to really build that soundtrack in a really nice organic way as you play. And that, that's a really good point. In that, you know, we often get the question of how can people start out playing, you know, D&D and we say like, well, published adventures provide you mm, all mm. of this kind of ease of getting into it so you don't have to do as much prep as you want. You can always still make it your own. Uh, mm. But, you know, here is a, you know, custom designed, well-written adventure that you can just jump into. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's right. very interesting that I would probably give the same advice to someone who's starting with Sirenscape is like, hey, use some of the ones from the published adventures. Mm. But then mm. once you get more familiar with it, you can make it your own and homebrew it up. Would you say that's, that's a good right. way to start? Totally. I, I would really, really strongly recommend people starting play Lost Minor Fandelva. I think it's such a great adventure, has such a good range of uh, encounter types, 
and situations. It's even a good way just to, to plumb through the kind of the different types of rules you're going to have to play with. And then, yeah, grab the Sirenscape sound pack that goes with that and and just just boot it up, sign into Sirenscape and hit the buttons in the order that they're required, you know, from, from the bit you're reading and have a play. And then, you know, after that, um, yeah, maybe think of one of those longer adventures and once again with some maybe some pre-made content and then you'll be, by the time you play those, you'll be itching just to tell your own story, which is what's super cool about um, D&D. And that's when you can start to just just vamp in Sirenscape. So, yeah, if, if you're going to run a Manticore, then just type Manticore into the search field in Sirenscape <laughs> and, oh, there's a Manticore battle sound set. Fantastic. And you hit the Manticore button battle battle button and this happens and then that just runs for a while and then when it's the aftermath i suppose i'm just going to hit the i like the tail spike sound oh my gosh that's that's the exact sound i made with my voice whenever a manticore like attacks i'm like that's right yeah you can hit some extra roars if you want but you know you don't even have to do that you just hit aftermath when the battle ends yeah very cool Oh, cool. All right. And yeah, right, over. Cool. You get yeah. 500 XP. Yay! Or however much it is. <laughs> a That's massive cool. flame war as people debate it now in the, in the yeah, chat. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then you have like a like a celebratory horn button too, don't you? you have like a yes. Super, super, super important. I've used that a lot for, for like at the end of a battle just as a button. I'm like, I don't have anything. Okay, let's just do this one. I got to go like this. Oh, that's always good. I got to go like this. Oh, I like that. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Good for you. You leveled yeah. up. I feel like I did. <laughs> we we could be using this for our our live studio audience sounds that we try to do. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we did. We've got our like little stream deck here we that does different. Using, uh, we could be using um, things, no, but we can use it for Dragon Talk. All right. Well, I, I mean, I have Sirenscape on here. I should start using we it. We should really start using. Ryan that. will be mad. Ryan no. would love it. He'd love it. He'll make it happen. See, <laughs> like, there's the crowd. I know. Ben is like, yes, you Sirenscape. <laughs> yes. That's, so do you, like, just, like, everywhere you go, you just hear sounds and you're like, ah, that could be uh, something, something. Or do you just, yeah. like, record, like, taking your garbage yeah. cans back yeah. to the house? Oh, like, and, stop? Like, oh, wait. Absolutely. This, I'm, this is a sound that I'm going to use one day. Yeah, absolutely. A clothesline I recorded the other day because it makes this horrendous <laughs> screeching noise when you put the arm up on the hill's hoist. Oh, it's a strange my God. Term. And I was at the Sydney Opera House in the backstage the other day. Oh, just a backstage of the Sydney Opera House like you do. Yeah, like we do. Um, and, and, yeah, I pushed through one of those big sound doors and the air conditioning, like the pressure was on different, different like pressures on either side of the door because of the air conditioning or whatever, and it made this fantastic... <laughs> noise and I'm like oh and then like oh. there's this lunatic there with his phone recording going it sounds like a gelatinous that? cube yeah, so that's, that's like that's a right. kissed by a cube yeah yeah I say I hadn't even literally haven't even thought of what to use it for yet but I but you knew like, that's you knew one day idea. yeah I knew it was going to be really really interesting and yes so yes I hear the world in sound <laughs> I love that you said kissed by a cube and I immediately thought of seal yeah <laughs> I thought of that too <laughs> I, Kiss I think, by a cube on the wind. <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> on the nose. Oh, <laughs> I want to be kissed by a cube. Uh, so you are, I mean, you, I don't know why you're backstage at the opera. Were you singing opera? 
I have I have sung a lot with uh, Opera Australia and yeah with the Sydney Symphony in various choirs and all sorts of things. I'm I'm a musician, yeah. So I did a Bachelor of Music in Composition at Sydney University, and I'm a pianist and a singer and a cellist and play various different recorders and things. So there's lots and lots of me and Sirens here. There's even, I played the ukulele for some 1920s music for some of our Call of Cthulhu stuff the other day. Yeah. Oh, I feel cool. like you would just... learn pretty much how to play anything if it yeah, was going no, to enhance yeah. somebody's D&D game. Yeah. That's yeah. right, absolutely. Yeah, I love, I love playing with sound and with music and um, yeah. I, I just looked at my list of things I'm supposed to remember to mention and I haven't mentioned at all the creative functionality. So yeah, all the sound building that I'm doing, um, I'm just using Sirenscape to build. So in the online player, you basically make an element, which we're talking about those dog dog woofs, and then you grab some samples and you pull them in and they get imported onto the server. You, you mix everything and balance all those elements and then you hit create a mood and that and that and you type in, you know, mantic or battle or kiss by a gelatinous. And uh <laughs> And, and and that becomes a mood, and then you you know save all that as a sound set, and all all that's all this stuff we've been talking about, and all those parameters are actually available to uh, to all our subscribers. So you can actually create stuff out of out of the stuff that we've built, or you can make your own samples and make your own monsters, support your own adventure, and uh, and even share that with the community, which is super super cool, which is happening more and more and more. That's really so, neat. Yeah. That's so all the tools that we were talking about. How people can you know how, how you were able to to record us and then you know put some filters yeah. on that's available to take people that's who are good, subscribers yeah. wow yeah that's right that's yeah. a lot of power right yeah. there yeah it is yeah <coughs> it's been a fun journey building it um so what's coming up next i mean obviously we've talked about how descent into avernus is uh is mm. is coming with with all of the the type of things what else are you working on yeah, so what we've been doing to date is trying to get a chunk of the more important parts of the back catalog done um, and we've got the uh, next week is being released Dragon of Ice Peak Spire, which is the second introduction uh, adventure, which is also extremely awesome. So that's very exciting. That's the one that's in the essentials kit, so folks that's are, right. are clear. Yep, yep, yep. Another great adventure to do just to really get yourself started. So we're releasing that, and we're going to continue working through the back catalogue. But what we're looking to do next year is to is to work for actual simultaneous releases as closely as possible. And, and really um, just start to follow now the D&D content as it's released. And then what happens as every time we release a big sound pack supporting adventure in those, uh, I might try and bring it up, in those uh, we hit various different monsters and various different locations. So then we basically release all of those different locations uh, as individual standalone things. So the Manticore battle sound set is, is playable in Sirenscape because a Manticore appeared in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And so, and then all we do is then, you know, rip that manticore out, painfully, hopefully, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then save it as a standalone sound set. Now, before we did that, you could still type manticore into the search engine and, and being it would, the sound set that it appeared in would appear and there would have been a mood you could click manticore battle. But now that we've released it as an individual thing, um, you can actually just, just play with manticore you know, by itself and, and buy it purchasable by itself without having to buy the whole dungeon and mad mage if you want. And so, okay. yeah, so that's the plan. So simultaneous release as much as possible, as closely as possible um, of all the, you know, coming uh, upcoming D and D content. And then lots and lots of just more and more and more support for individual locations and, and, uh, and monsters and characters. And then who, cool. who were um, some of the, the people who worked on this next release, were they, I know you you were back here. 
Yes, we got, we got recordings of, um, we've, we've used a lot of the Watsi stuff in the Ghost of Salt Marsh Adventures, which have been super, super cool. So we've got the Sawagan, was like a big group of people and it sounds fantastic. So um, if you've got access to that, it's super, super cool. Um, lots of people, yeah, came, came and recorded, which is super cool. And we'll, we'll once again, we'll head over. We The plan is kind of to head over at the beginning of each year, kind of March when the weather's not too appalling. And um, and then yeah, record people, record what's your stuff, and yeah, we also record at every single con we go to, whatever we're seeking, whatever's coming out soon. We ask our fans uh, um, to to give sounds, and that's been one of the best things we've ever ever done. So if, if you're looking for a hundred literally different random water Davians in in Waterdeep in in Dragon Heist, you know, we could either hire you know a hundred different voice actors for ten minutes, which is not going to really be <laughs> making sense. Or we're literally using just different people who have come and entered the sound cave at uh, at Gen Con or PAX or whatever, and and given their voices, which is super super fun. And now those fans can can click the button in Sirenscape and hear themselves. Like that's me. They must uh, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been really great. And um, put we put their name in lights in our credits, and it's lots of fun. And it's been super super useful for us as well to really. You know, just get that variability. It doesn't sound yeah. realistic. One, you've you've probably played a computer game where all the characters are like, or like nine of them are all the same voice actor, just putting on a slightly different voice. And, uh, you know, to me that breaks immersion. Um, and so getting a, as much variability in, in actual real human beings um, is the better. I mean, unless you have a voice actor like Shelley who can change your right. voice That's so right. much. I mean, very, I'm varied. <laughs> I have lots of different voices. She- Shelley, Shelley is, is, a, is the goblins. Um, You're a goblin? She's devils. She's weeping. So absolutely, Wait, I'm a devil three. too. You are. You're in in there somewhere. And a goblin. Yeah, I absolutely. feel like you like took my regular voice and distorted it. Or something. <laughs> I don't remember recording a goblin. I've, I've just been. <laughs> she takes every. What about Tito? Can every we hear re- some of? Yeah. yeah. Can we hear some yeah, Tito? Okay. okay yeah. Every recording <laughs> of Dragon Talk is now free for Ben to manipulate go. and change. Get my laugh. That was you. So yeah, yes, so I could be a lich. So you can get, you, you, you can one hundred percent that lich. <laughs> <laughs> Here you we have ninety nine problems. Yeah. This lich ain't one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready. So this is Greg's intro. I wasn't expecting anyone. <gasps> As you can see, the place is a mess. Perhaps. Yeah, I'll just turn down the background sounds a bit. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have that. That was me. You sound like Dumbledore. I know. Uh, just uh, his his normal, gorgeous, lovely voice, and just that a was little, so good. A little bit of a shift down. Hang on, I was playing that over the top of hell or something. I'll turn this stuff down. It's just this and easy, then, folks. Then you can have you can have um, a conversation with with Greg the scary dragon. You can say, "Hey, oh, you're dead. definitely not going to eat this, are you?" Yes. <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes, I am going to eat you. You <laughs> are right. going to eat us? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be tasty? Yes. Oh, well, perhaps we should just leave. <laughs> no. I wasn't. Exp- oh, no. <laughs> but, but. And, and, like- then, and then he does, what does he do? Anyway, transformation, this is very cool. Oh, this one's fun. It's just it's loading up on your remote machine. Music montage. 
Yes. Yes. Pew. Pew. Uh. Oh. So yeah. So there's so these dragon voices. Yeah, as we were saying, with the wonders of processing, these are just Greg's lovely. Oh. Stomach growling. Isn't that amazing? Yes. You took his voice and you did that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a See. talented person. A talented person can produce. He's, he's produced like a bit of like a like a throat roll. <sighs> That's right, yeah. And then once you process it, it actually sounds <laughs> quite awful. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so fun. Amazing. Yeah. And I remember, when, again, you're such a good director. Then when we were recording these, you were like, can you just go a little, like, do a little yeah. bit like this? Yep, yep. And, and I'm like, yeah, you sure. Made it very I can try. Easy. You made it real easy to cry. <laughs> You're so no good at this. The Sahuigan uh, we did uh, for Ghost of Saltmarsh, too. I remember you being like, can you give me a little bit more raspy? And I think I was having a cold at the time or something like that. So I was like, yes, 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 yes I can. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My voice is now now going raspy and falling off. This is good. Keep going. It's yes, like, exactly. Like, I can only get like, one more. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> I got one more take. One more take, and then I got to have some Sketchy. tea. Sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. a lot of the direction, our direction of people is just really freeing them up to go for it kind of emotionally, I think. I think the weeping is not is probably the, one of the hardest things, Shelley. So it's actually quite impressive, like literally that you were able to get to that point. Oh, you could be so sad on call. I just draw upon yeah, yeah, the sad and, things and, of my life. That's right. Oh, your your yeah. estranged then, yeah, daughter. And and you'll never doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a live oh. performance for you now. Sirenscape, making people sad. Yep. All right. Well, we're running out of time, and we definitely want to. Mm, I mean, I, so I feel much like more. We could, I want to hear almost everything in here for sure. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've got one quick question for you, and that is, when are you going to incorporate smell? Uh, yeah. Greg <laughs> could definitely participate in that. <laughs> you know what? You know what I really want to do, and I probably shouldn't say this, and Dan will go really, really mad because it would be great to make some sort of official announcement at some point, but I would love, and we are actually literally investigating doing lighting because I think... And if I think lighting, lighting would, I would, that's my next question. Oh, I know. Yeah, we are literally looking into that because that would be amazeballs. So when you when you hit, like, forest, the lights just shift to green. You know, your Philips Hue or your LifeX lights or whatever. Oh. And, and then just shifts to green, and then you trigger a fireball with a one shot, and they just go flash, 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 red kind of thing. How great but, was um, the uh, uh, ArcLight? Uh, was the vendor who did that for uh, Descent to Avernus D and D Live uh, for, mm-hmm. during the Descent? And you, I feel like the two of you were working so closely in tandem that I must mm-hmm. have been part of the inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, That's yeah. Cool. And and we, after some research, it's not actually entirely impractical to just be able to trigger some of those lighting cues and those lighting setups on, on, on Philips and right. Life FX. So stay tuned. That wasn't an official announcement. <laughs> it's, just, no worry. Just Don't worry, Dan. We know how to keep secrets when we broadcast things live. No Don't problem. worry about that. We will not tell anyone. Don't worry. We don't give so, yeah. away, uh, uh, you know, code names or anything like that on this podcast. <laughs> All right. So thank you so in, much, in the, Ben. That's awesome. How can people like jump in and, and, yes. and find out more about where to download Sirenscape? Yes, just go to sirenscape.com and you can download the player for free. You don't even have to register an account or anything. There's like eight, ten free sound sets in there that you can use as a dragon battle. There's a storm. 
uh, watch the demo videos like an amazing video, how to use Sirenscape, you know, and, and just search for that on YouTube and yeah, just give it a go. And then if you like register, buy a couple of things to see if our accounting system makes you explode or anything like that. <laughs> uh, enjoy Lost Mine of Fandover or whatever adventure you happen to be running. And then, yeah, the best way of getting access to everything in the most straightforward way is that subscription, which gives you access to online play. So you can run games remotely with your friends over any VTT and also all the full on creative functionality and all that customization, which is super important to your game. So, yeah. I love it. Totally I love worth it. it. Thank you so much, Ben. You're amazing. You are amazing. You're it's, a genius. It's a great tool, <laughs> and I want to get a job with you as creating uh, guitar sound effects. I know. That's right. I just want to take classes with you. I'm really good at it. I've been doing it for years, too. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Enjoy uh, Australia. and uh, Have a good day. Good day, y'all. Good day, mate. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. See you mate. later, yeah. mate. <laughs> Drink a Foster's. All right. Awesome. Whatever else. Oh, they don't do that there. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so insulting it's to the Australian, Australian people. It's Australian for beer. It's like Is the it one not? beer I wouldn't drink. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. so lovely talking to you. <laughs> you Thanks, too. Guys. You're the best. Hey! What a wonderful interview. Benjamin Looms. Soothing. He, he's soothing. Candy for the ears. But also his, just, like, his creativity just inspires me. You know? Oh, I know. He, he took something. He does everything. That he was really excited about uh, in his spare time uh, and made it like something lovable. And so much thought. Like, oh my god, a sound for everything. Everything! And then how he morphs a sound into like other sounds and other sounds and like you have to, like your brain has to work in right. special ways to be able to take a and turn it into like, that's a dragon now. A, br- a big scary black dragon. Yeah, and all it, you can do it with the touch of a button now because he's gotten so good at like creating those tools. Uh, and making it work. So, uh, love what the, is on the docket coming from Sirenscape. It's going to be super fun. And if you have not yet in, 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 uh, uh, started using that in your game, do it. Make it happen. Yes. It's not that hard. It'll, it'll add such an incredible layer to your games. Your players will be so impressed. And as a dungeon master, it doesn't take, it does not distract you at all. You can just, if you have a touch screen or something like that, it's even easier. You just press it and it's press happening. Press it and go. Press it and go. Love it. Shelly, what is going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons that we could talk about? I wish that um, there was things we could talk about. There's so many that like I want to say right now. Me too. Yeah. One day. One day you oh. all will hear everything from the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast about all of our plans. Oh, dear. Oh. You will. I wish there was one place where you could find news at your fingertips. Perhaps you could go to our Twitter account. Oh, tell me more. Twitter is a wonderful technology. What is a Twitter? It is where birds tweet at each other. <laughs> they say, tweet, 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 and sometimes <laughs> they convey information. A little bluebird. Yeah. Yes, it's blue, and oh. it says, Wizards of the Coast is releasing a Dungeons & Dragons book. Oh, dear. On this date. How very, very handy. <laughs> we can do this more <laughs> and more. Oh, uh, I think we've been inspired by Benjamin. I know, right? He has an accent, so it's a morning. But also, to... we're, we're incredible voice talents. <laughs> do you need People who sound like this. We can do plenty of sessions for you. Game. Use them. Oh my. Be inspired.
I'm inspired already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You may often find inspiration at Wizards of the Coast, (laughs) at wizards underscore DND, to learn all about what's happening in the world of Dungeons & Dragons on Twitter. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook as well. You will get information that way. What is this? Dragon Plus. It is a application <laughs> that you may download upon your mobile devices. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right <laughs> at my fingertips. You can. Le- it's bi-monthly issues about what products are coming, as well as highlights. <laughs> Do you say you can't even do it with a straight face? Highlights into what's going on with uh, unique creators in the world. Absolutely curated for up-to-the-minute news. You'll get all of our <laughs> social feeds. <laughs> Do I'm, British people say social? I'm so happy. <laughs> it's like mobile. Oh, social, social media. <laughs> Oh my god, I feel so oh, bad for everyone listening. I'm sorry, fast forward that. We I apologize. Again. Um, yes, but Dragon Plus, you really should uh, download. It's Check super it out. handy. Lots of issues. It, it's it's got issues. Yep. You can take them Who out. Who doesn't? Yeah, right? <laughs> we all do. Got issues. We work them out here on microphone. <laughs> Live therapy. We can also go to DungeonsandDragons.com. There's so much happening there. You, there's plenty of places. DragonMag.com is where you can get all the Dungeon Dragon I mean, Plus stuff uh, on your web browser. Go, go get some news nuggets. Drop them at your next dinner party. Did you know? Insert some more you should know. Oh. I was hoping for a news nugget. I know. Can you give Um, me a news nugget? I can on a couple weeks. (laughs) Ooh. A couple weeks, you'll find all about the nuggets that Shelly can produce. The muppy nuggets. Squeeze (laughs) out. You almost did it. You almost said something. You heard it here first, everyone. Uh, Shelly... Wants to break embargo. Muppa nugget. M- nuggets. What is... Uh, Muppa? <laughs> Beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is the, the beholder. beholder. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, pay attention Ooh. as we announce that product Ooh. soon. There's uh, <laughs> <laughs> an owl. Who are you talking And a bear. About? Okay, we've said too much. It's it's all right. Now I feel upset. Okay. <laughs> Shelly's mad at me. I'm mad at myself. You've you've gone too far. I took it too far. And uh, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited about it. And uh, you should be downloading Dragon Plus because you'll find out more about that there. Yep. Also, look at all our social feeds and, and uh, listen we to this podcast. Should, <laughs> we should probably just investigate the ceiling just go. so we can get out of here. Okay. All right. But be careful. Wait, I'm gonna roll something. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> 